at her funeral, um, the the women that were there ended up all of them taking their headscarves off. Yeah. An act of total defiance. Yes. Yeah. And chanting a a, a Kurdish slogan. Yeah. Which translates into woman, life, freedom. I'm William. I'm Dave. Dave is my pastor. Willie is a hospice chaplain. And we've been friends for more than 20 years. We've had thousands of conversations about things that matter and things that don't. So now we're inviting you to join in. Each week we pull a topic out of the hopper and we talk about it. This is the Hopper Podcast. Hey, this is part two of our conversation with Erica Kasrai. If you haven't heard part one, you need to go back and listen to it because that is her story of how this Iranian Muslim became a an American Christian. And it is an amazing story. Indeed. That's last week. And then how she became a political activist. Yes, absolutely. And her insight today is really backdropped by her story. Yeah, so go give that a listen and then come back to this episode. Yeah, yeah. So you got a, you you got a scientific degree? I do. I have a bachelor of science in biology. Okay. So do we. That that makes three of us on this in this conversation. <laughs> and uh, and now you've become an expert in uh, Iran and uh, we went to seminary and did nothing with biology. So <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Yes. So you on your own uh interest having having the heritage just poured your life into understanding what's going on in Iran. How did you get information, um, you know, yeah, real information? So I started, I actually got hooked up with some uh, student leaders who were involved in a uprising at the University of Tehran. In 1999, there was this attempt to overthrow the regime by university students. And there's some of the student leaders ha had come to Washington, D.C. from that particular uprising. And I got to meet some of them and they didn't speak English well. And so they asked me if I could volunteer for them. I started like doing translation work and, you know, interpreting, showing up at meetings, basically ser serving as an interpreter. And then eventually um, they established uh, an organization, a 501c3 in DC to bring visibility to the student movement, to the pro-democracy movement, which was mainly led by students. Mm -hmm. And at that time, um, AOL Messenger was kind of a thing. Oh yeah, I remember. Um, yeah. And so I started getting connected to some of the students inside Iran and I was just fascinated. I started talking to them and learning of everything, you know, just building relationships. And then Facebook happened. Um, and I always say Facebookistan because it became sort of a, it became like a country of its own. And it, mm. and it opened up this, this window to other places in the world for yeah. people to connect. And um, Iranian kids got to see the world outside of Iran. They got to see the world where, I mean, they're fascinated with America. They want to know everything there is to know about American culture and movies and music. And so, um, yeah, that was kind of my way in. And so they asked me if I would serve as their spokesperson and I was honored to do so. Certainly wasn't making the kind of money I did at the FBI, but it was way more meaningful. Uh -huh. I had this opportunity to sort of I mean, 
serve as the mouthpiece of this movement inside the country. And I remember going to members of Congress and, you know, briefing them and they would be like, well, how do you know? I'm like, well, Facebook, they're like, what's that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can't believe that in such a short span of time, I and mean, we're talking like 2007, 2008 yeah. to today. Can you imagine oh, just yeah. how social media has opened up this whole other mm-hmm. world communicating mm-hmm. the rest of the world? So. Yeah, I remember showing like one of the members of Congress the app and telling him to download it. You can see what Iranians are doing. Anyway, mm. um, so I, I had the privilege of traveling all over the world, meeting with members of parliament, meeting with members of Congress, you know, going on university campuses and speaking about the current situation as it was happening. And then Obama got elected. Mm-hmm. And we really thought, man, he's, he's our guy, you know, he's going to be the guy that does the right thing. And surely because he was the Facebook president. Sure. Right, right, right. Was on Facebook. He had, I mean, I, I mean, I can't remember any other, you know, candidate using social media at that time communicating. Yeah. He was the first one for sure in a real serious way. Mm -hmm. So, we were really disappointed when the you know when millions of people came to the streets in 2009 um to contest the election of Ahmadinejad you know the people protested in the street and their chants were obama obama are you with them or with us mm-hmm. and unfortunately i don't know if you know obama decided to um engage with the with the regime and ignore the people's movement. And so it really killed the morality of the people, you know. Mm. Um, and there was a young girl who became the poster child of the movement, Neda Sultan, who was shot in the, in the you know, uh, in front of the eyes of the world yeah. mm-hmm. um, and died. And he still said nothing. And so I think for me personally, he lost my vote. He lost my respect. Yeah. What subsequently happened was there was a nuclear agreement between the European and the United States, and Iran was given lots of money to continue not only enriching its nuclear program, uh, paying the salaries of the Revolutionary Guard and the Basijis, the anti-right police, um, higher salaries than the like average government worker mm-hmm. to, to sort of buy their loyalties. Mm-hmm. And then obviously, you know, funding terrorism in the region. So mm-hmm. it was really disappointing. And so I think, I think I spent a lot of energy trying to um, work with as many opposition groups and engage as many pro-democracy activists but because of you know because of the, the diplomacy with the with the regime it felt like a lot of our efforts fell on deaf ears mm-hmm. and so 2013 i kind of walked away and went into private sector started working at a lab and a hospital and still maintained my relationships with my network inside iran because obviously Social media was increasing, you know, then there was YouTube and Instagram and so on. Mm -hmm. 
And I started to learn about this underground church that people were coming to church in houses uh-huh. and um, people were thirsty to learn about Jesus. And so uh, sometimes when I would engage like activists, they would ask me about my cross or a cross around my neck. And it was an opportunity for me to share my testimony with them mm-hmm. and they would ask questions. And so there was this interest. And so I got to start learning about the underground church and this need for Bibles. And then eventually organizations that were operating in countries like Turkey and Malaysia. And um, I had the opportunity to go to Malaysia twice mm. and, there was this mass exodus out of Iran. And so lots and lots of people came to church thinking that that would be their way to like get asylum or, but it was through even people who pretended or lied to be Christians because they knew it was going to be protected, protect them. Mm -hmm. Eventually, you know, it worked Mm -hmm. for them. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and then, Trump happened. Okay. <laughs> uh, the most unlikely candidate who nobody thought would win right. won. Right. And there was a member of Congress that was kind of a real champion on Iran issues um, that I ended up connecting to because actually, believe it or not, um, a Christian brother reached out to me by the name of Victor Marx. I don't know if you've ever heard of Victor Marx, but no. Victor Marx reached out to me and said, Hey, my wife and I are coming to Washington. We're really, we want to meet with members of Congress to talk about what's happening in, you know, in Iraq um, with ISIS. And so could, could you arrange a meeting with, with some, you know, members? And I thought, I, I know one, I'm sure he'll meet with you. And I reached out to him Long story short, I ended up working for him because of that one encounter. Hmm. And I, I, I started working on the Hill during, I actually went to the inauguration of Donald Trump. I mean, uh-huh. it was crazy. It was amazing. Just the energy of, of how America shifted and, and his policy on Iran was so different mm-hmm. than his predecessor, uh-huh. you know, he said, no engagement, no nuclear deal. We're not going to um, reward a terrorist um, organization. I mean, the IRGC is a terrorist organization that exports Islamic fascism across mm-hmm. the globe, wherever it will allow him. And so um, he was exactly what we were waiting for mm. as far as, you know, Iran policy was concerned. Uh-huh. And um, I mean, it was, it was, it was definitely a, a, ch- a shift. And the Iranian people even, like I started observing social media and how they were so excited about this man. Mm-hmm. It got to the point where they would call him Amu Trump, which Amu in Farsi means uncle. Like it's like, he's like mm-hmm. a family. Uh-huh. Um, and, um, my boss ended up resigning about, I think it was a year into when I started working there 
And I, I went out, I went and worked for another member. And then I just kind of was like, okay, God, where do you want me? Mm. Like, I wasn't really sure what, what I was supposed to do after the Hill. I knew I wasn't going to stay on the Hill because um, Congress was shifting. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, it was shifting and you, you could tell that t- Donald Trump's rhetoric was starting to, you know, it was going to change the house. It's it was getting inflammatory. Change. Yeah. 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 Was changing. And so um, I, I prayed and of course, you know, a door opened um, for me to go work on a motion picture in Jordan, hmm. uh, an Iranian American filmmaker. I had the privilege of serving as his cultural advisor for a film called Infidel. Um, it was supposed to be in Iran, filmed in Iran, but it was in Jordan. Uh-huh. And so, um, again, this amazing opportunity to yeah. go work in Jordan. <laughs> um, but prior to that, I I did a little bit of consulting, did a little bit of national security like research work mm-hmm. um, at the time uh, for a national security think tank who wanted to really get to understand like how the pro-democracy movement was communicating with the world. Yeah. And it was mostly through these various social media platforms, Telegram, Instagram, Twitter, not Facebook anymore. Mm. Um, And so they tasked me with find the top 20 what are they saying? You know, what are they saying? What do they want? What are their analytics? Who are they? What's their motive? And so I, I did that. And that was awesome. And eventually they used that research to brief the White House, State Department, and so on, on, you know, kind of the pulse of the yeah, pro-democracy. Um, so you were a part of the intelligence community. No. <laughs> no? You Not just, really. Yeah, just researching no. It would, I mean, I just did research, really, yeah. and I got to meet some of the activists. Um, uh-huh. There was a movement started by uh, a, a woman called Masi Alinejad. She um, started a, a, a campaign called My Stealthy Freedom, where she encouraged women in Iran to remove their hijab, mm-hmm. take pictures of themselves, and post it on uh-huh. social media. And so that kind of... Um, you know, shifted the culture. It shifted people's fears. Like, oh my gosh, I can take it off. It's okay. A lot of women were arrested because of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Many women still are in jail. Uh, Lawyers that represented those women were jailed for it. Um, And then I, I, you know, I wrote a paper in the Federalist with one of my colleagues, with my friends about, about this idea of how the United States could start talking to the Iranian people right. through media, social using, media yeah. using social media as a way of like diplomacy, right? And and President Trump did. I mean, he started tweeting in Farsi. Hmm. He was the first president to tweet in Farsi directly yeah. to the Iranian people. And then the regime started, you know, cracking down more and more. Right. And there was several you know protests and terrible crackdowns and i mean there was in 2017 and then again in 2019 where 1500 people were slaughtered wow unfortunately it didn't make it to mainstream right it just didn't and um 
yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So you, you had a video that went viral, right? Yes. So in, um, January 3rd of 2020, my life turned upside down because President Trump um, had eliminated Qasem Soleimani, one of the world's most notorious terrorists. Mm. And I, I remember getting woken up that morning by a friend of mine who's Cuban and he was like, Oh my gosh, what's going on? Uh, is there going to be like a world war? Like what's happening? Tell me, tell me what's happening because he knew I, you know, I, I'm an Iran person. Sure. And he's like, wait, 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 can I get my family to come on this call? So he, he zoomed me in like FaceTimed me and I'm like, you know, my pajamas, my hair's <laughs> Like, yeah. Tell my family because they don't understand what's going on. And so he's like, you should do that. He's like, you should make a video. And I was like, no, I'm not making a video. That's that's dumb. And then all day after that, I had text messages, instant messages, like, what's going on? Can you tell us what's going on? And then I turned on the TV and then I couldn't take it anymore. Mm. This is crazy. The mainstream media was making it seem like First of all, we were going to go to war because we had taken out the commander of the IRGC. And how dare we? Hmm. And then um, and then I heard somebody describe him as like Elvis, like compare him to Elvis. And then I had it. I was like, I can't. <laughs> wow. Okay. So I wasn't wearing makeup. I, I mean, I just, just took out my phone. I mean, I literally did it with my phone. I sat down at my desk. And I just made this little video explaining the truth. Uh-huh. Truth was that people in Iran were like, it was like the best day ever. Mm-hmm. People were giving out candy and cookies and cake, dancing, celebrating. It was like this like crazy twilight zone. Like the mainstream media in America is making it seem like we've killed the Elvis of Iran. Yeah. And the Iranian people are celebrating because this guy that has the blood of so many people on his hands mm-hmm. is gone. Yeah. Right. And so I posted it on my Facebook and within the, like two, three hours, it started going viral. And I'm like, oh mm-hmm. my gosh, this is crazy. And then somebody put it on Twitter, Donald Trump Jr. retweeted it. And then it just went, I mean, it uh-huh. might my phone just started blowing up. My mm. life went crazy. It had 11 million views across four platforms. It was mm. translated into um, Arabic, uh, Ukrainian, Spanish. I had people calling me from all over the world, asking me for interviews, mm-hmm. like what? And I think it was like the beginning of cancel culture. Mm. It was the beginning of that, like, yeah. where we realized, oh, my gosh, the media is, like, lying to you. They yeah. don't tell you the truth. Right. They they try to paint yeah. a narrative that is not right. real. Yeah, we've talked about that a lot. The, That's okay. The rich so, people own the media, and they, they have political agendas, and <laughs> they yeah, say what right. can and can't be. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I mean, there were so many hit pieces against me from the left. Sure. 
Sure. Um, but yeah, it was kind of like I, I all of a sudden I got put on the map. And I remember Victor calling me and, and just praying with me. And I thought, okay, God, you're giving me a platform. And I could feel it. Mm. And I, I can see how when people get pushed into the spotlight where they can become so like self-absorbed and like, mm. oh, yeah, yeah, I'm so, right? Look at me. I'm, yeah. they're looking at me. Yeah. And God, oh, no, they're not looking at you. And I'm not giving you this platform so they can look at you. <laughs> this is mine. So make sure to glorify me. And that was a very clear message. Uh -huh. um, I, I vowed that I would use that, that moment to glorify him. Okay. So, yeah. So did, had, um, did that lead to influencing or other uh, social media opportunities? Is it, well, yeah, I mean, Iran. All of a sudden, I had thousands and thousands and thousands of followers, right? Uh -huh. Where I was just this person before. All of a sudden, I'm an influencer, whatever the <laughs> heck. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I have people calling me, wanting me to go on their shows and wanting me to go on, you know, yeah. Laura Ingram and this, you know, Newsmax. And, you know, it's like this opportunity to speak. Yeah. So you have you have this obligation to speak the truth. Yes. Right. Yeah. And to not make it about you, to mm -hmm. make it about the cause. Yeah. So I have, I have had lots of doors opened. I've had, you know, so many new relationships and opportunities to meet. I mean, mm -hmm. to speak. Um, and so I, I've surrounded myself with people who hold me accountable to make sure that when I get up on a high horse, they kick me off. <laughs> <laughs> sure. That's good. Um, yeah. And then I have these two guys calling me for a podcast. <laughs> right. A couple bald weirdos. Yeah. I've never heard of before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, can we and talk a little bit about current events? For some reason. I'm I don't sorry, know. what? I said, and for whatever reason, they care about your story. I don't, I don't know. I don't. Yeah. 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 I mean, well, obviously um, it, I'm very interested in any time a, a Muslim becomes a Christian, what the story was. Um, and some of them are very, uh, very different. You know, they had a dream um, and they became a Christian after their dream. Um, and so it, I, I just find it all very fascinating. Uh, plus, you know, Iran is in the news right now. And yeah. uh, we don't know what is accurate in our media. Right. You know, it's, it's, um, there, there's all this rebellion going on about the regime. And if you listen to certain news stations, um, it means something. If you listen to others, it means something else. And so, you know, as someone who has dedicated their time to that, I would love to hear your perspective. I mean, we, we know about, uh, I guess we should say, well, I'll let you say, you know, what's going on here um, with the... Uh, the, the police brutality. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, um, on September 16th, a young girl named Mahsa Gina Amini mm -hmm. was stopped by morality police. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in Iran, in major cities, uh, the morality police walk around to make sure that you are dressed according to Islamic law. Yeah. Girls cannot Girl, show yeah. hair. Eh, it's mostly girls that are get that are getting harassed. Mm -hmm. 
Now, Mahsa is Kurdish. She's visiting Tehran. She's not familiar with morality police. Uh-huh. Her family is just stopping through. Um, she's with her brother when she gets arrested. And she is begging them not to take her because she's fearful. She's 22. She's just mm-hmm. a young girl. They, they assure her family that she's just going to a re-education center for a, um, an hour. She'll be back. No problem. Mm-hmm. From the time she leaves her family to the time she gets to the re-education center, she, uh, she, gets, she sustains a head injury and she ends up slipping into a coma. Yeah. And she dies subsequently from her injuries. And I don't know really what it was, but it was like the the straw that broke the camel's back. Right. Yeah. Right. It was like almost like building and building and building. And then people just can't take it anymore. Yeah. Enough is enough. You know, this innocent child dies because she showed too much of her hair yeah she was covered she just was showing too much of her hair and at her funeral um the the women that were there ended up all of them taking their headscarves off yeah act of total defiance yes. yeah yeah and chanting a, a a kurdish slogan yeah which translates into woman life freedom. Yeah. And this this slogan has become the yeah. Yeah. slogan of this movement. Right. A woman led freedom movement. Jan Azadi in Kurdish and in Farsi Zan Zendegi Azadi. And um it spread through the entire country to every province, to every city. Yeah were coming out and burning their headscarves in public i mean wow. you, you you could you can imagine what yes. what you yeah. know um the she, consequences of yeah, that yeah. yeah i mean this this girl was covered but she was showing a little bit too much hair and so now all these women are completely taking off their head coverings and burning yeah. them publicly yeah off. what it, is yeah. the risk so there it's, like, yeah i don't know it was like this symbol of oppression yeah. was no yeah. longer yeah um it had no power. Yeah. And yeah. they were showing the world. And so then obviously, you know, all these videos are coming out. It's going viral. Right. Um, and, you know, it became civil disobedience eventually. And uh, the crackdown was pretty harsh, as you can imagine. Right. But the generation of kids that are out in the streets are Gen Zs. They're young kids. Yeah. I mean, kids as young as 12. Right. And, um, it has been 50 days since September 16th, yeah. and the tests are still ongoing. Right. It, it's ca- caught a little steam, hasn't it? I mean, it, it's like improve our, our building, isn't it? It's building. Yeah. Uh, 200 people have died. Thousands of people have been arrested. Wow. We have celebrities. We have athletes. We have human rights lawyers. We have journalists who have come out in support of what we now call the Iran revolution mm. because mm. it's no longer mm. about protesting. This is about reclaiming our dignity mm. and human right. Mm-hmm. And I think the fear is gone. And I've heard so many of the young people inside Iran say that 
they're willing to die for it yeah. because freedom isn't free. Right. And, and so, um, you know, I, I've seen, I've never seen such unity among Iranians across the world. The Iranian yeah. diaspora has organized and mobilized in 150 cities across the world every Saturday in protest in front of their government buildings, in front of parliaments. Um, they're asking for world leaders to cut their diplomatic relationships with the Islamic Republic, mm -hmm. asking that the nuclear negotiations end immediately. They are asking that the world no longer does business with this regime mm -hmm. because it's pretty obvious that yeah. this this is not a legitimate um, government. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, and the morality police tried to say that it was, she sustained some accidental injury or that she had some previous condition. No, but she they was, claimed that she had heart yeah, problems. But she but was bruised up and clearly oh, had no. a, a head trauma yeah. and they beat her to death. I mean, that's what, yeah. Yes. Um, so let me ask you some questions about this. I'm very curious. Um, from your perspective, are the young people in Iran, um, are they anti-Islam or just anti-regime? They are, well, all of the above. Uh huh. They just you want know, to be free to choose if they want to be Islamic or Christian or Baha'i or whatever, right? I mean, look, if can you imagine living in a country where Islam is in every aspect of your life, mm. in your private life, in your school life, in your home life? It's shoved down your throat. Yeah. So they are rejecting Islam. Yeah rejecting religiosity right they've never had the freedom to choose yeah right yeah um, now the christians the christian converts have come out and support in support of this movement because mm -hmm. in prior protests the christians were usually quiet yeah involved, but this time it's very different everybody yeah. is in support of right. a, a revolution and regime change yeah um but there, the young people are atheists. There's a there's a huge movement to like atheism. Um, there is a huge movement to like yeah. the the new age sort of um, kind of thought movement. Sure. Well, yeah. energy and just pr broad secularism, right? Just, yes. Yeah, we want to choose. We want to right. be individuals. Uh -huh. We don't right. want to. Yeah, um, which you don't yeah. really understand what religious freedom even means or looks right. like right. right so in, in much of my activism i've you know i i have um taught myself because most americans don't know what religious freedom is really but you know women are usually the first victims of religious mm -hmm. persecution mm -hmm. and so because it's an honor shame culture women are on the forefront of being persecuted and so there's a lot of work to be done you know uh -huh. to teach young people the next generation about the benefits of religious freedom what right. it means to be able to choose or not to choose right but you can't plant seeds if you haven't tilled the ground yeah but it seems and like the there could be opportunity not healthy right now yeah <laughs> right like yeah if sure. there was uh, if there was religious freedom there'd be opportunity for missionaries to get into iran and you know, yeah. We had missionaries before the Islamic Republic. Yeah, I mean, sure. Baskerville was one of the most famous Christian missionaries that went to Iran. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but you know, 
the kids the kids in Iran don't I mean it's 43 years they they don't know anything prior to to the right. Islamic of course Republic, of course right so you have yeah. my generation and younger who doesn't know yeah right this is all they know yeah all they know is the yeah. Islamic Republic and this is and they don't want it they don't want any of it right right yeah well, um, these questions may be embarrassing to me, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> so previous to the revolution, um, uh, Shah, is that a name or a title? Shah in um, Farsi means king. Yeah. So there was a king and he was he was uh, working with the West for, for oil interests mostly, correct? Well, sure. I mean, yeah. he was also, I mean, so the Shah, Shah Reza Pahlavi was uh -huh. his name. Um, he was very, very, I mean, his, his, his father and grandfather built Iran. Mm -hmm. They modernized Iran. I mean, Iran was becoming a booming metropolis. Yeah. In the East. And it was because of Western influence and mm -hmm. obviously because of the rich oil that Iran has. Yeah. Um, what was the religious, uh, climate at that time? We had Christians, we had Jews, we had, yeah. I mean, we had all religions. There right. was really freedom yeah. in it. You okay. weren't forced to be Muslim. You right. weren't forced to be Christian. I mean, that's why my mother and my father would even marry. Yeah, they could be together. Right. Right. Yeah, sure. Maybe in their family, there was like a little bit of like. Eh. Well, sure. You have that here in the United States, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but there wasn't like, it wasn't against the law. Yeah. Right, right, right. right. Um, yeah. There was there was a move towards modernization and um, becoming a you know a, a very I remember he, you know he came to the United States and saw the celebrations of Fourth of July and wanted to like have a similar mm -hmm. experience in Iran and that's really how the Ayatollahs were able to um, use use this shift of moving towards Western culture against yeah. him right so an, another embarrassing question. Uh, uh, the, <laughs> the the term uh, uh, Khomeini. Khomeini. Yes, is that a title? It's a name. It's a name. Okay. It's a name. Help me. Rulama Khomeini was the founder of the Islamic Revolution. Yeah. Okay. And Khomeini is his uh, is the current supreme leader. Khomeini okay. died in the eighties. Yeah. And There's been a number of presidents after that, or leaders. Yeah. Well, he's not a president. Yeah. Okay. okay. So Iran is the way it's set up is the supreme leader is the supreme leader. Yeah. He is next to God. He is holy. Uh huh. Uh -huh. Pure know. dictatorship. Yes. Yeah. Pure dictatorship. And the president is not elected. He's selected. Uh huh. By the supreme leader. Gotcha. And then there's the guardian council. I call them towel heads. Yeah. We have you have the big towel head at the top, and then you have the president, who could be a towel head or not. The current one is. And then you have the 12 towel heads that are like the holy guys that uh -huh. kind of are like the judges. Uh -huh. And um, and then there's the IRGC. They are very powerful, the Islamic Revolutionary Guard. Okay. They are they are armed, they are um, very wealthy, yeah. and they are trained, yeah, to export Islamic ideology across the world mm. yeah. until every Jew and Christian has been taken off the face of the earth. 
Mm -hmm. Sorry about that. No problem. So, so how can we Americans, largely ignorant of what you've learned in, in 15 plus years or however long you've been really studying this, what can we do? What can, how can we support um, Iranians? How can we love uh, them here, um, over there? You know, give us some advice. Okay. Well, let's start in our own communities first. Yeah. Just like Miss Betty if you can find one family to love, uh -huh. do it. Yeah. Don't tell them about Jesus. Yeah. Act like Jesus. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They will see, and they will see Jesus in you. Because I would have never known true love had Miss Betty, you know, pushed Jesus on me. Yes. Yeah. Sure. I don't believe that's how you win souls. Right. Okay. If you see a family with, you know, hijab, if you see families, I mean, there's a lot of Afghans that have come to this country. Mm -hmm. If you see them, don't be afraid. Yeah. Don't be afraid to talk to them if they're your neighbor or if they're in your neighborhood, invite them to lunch, invite them to have tea or yeah. just do like you would with any other neighbor. Right. Show yeah. some hospitality. Yes. Yeah. But don't tell them about Jesus. Show them mm -hmm. Jesus, mm -hmm. your actions and your words and in your... Mm -hmm. Just the way you live. Yeah. Actually, they'll want to know. They'll, they'll want to know. Yeah. 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 And then on a, on a kind of government level, if you feel led to call your member of Congress or your senator, if you have the time to pick up the phone and call and tell your member that Iranian people want regime change, mm. that Iranian people want to be rid of this regime that is holding them hostage. Please support mm -hmm. of the Iranian people. Yeah. Yeah. Not support engaging in any diplomatic way with the Islamic Republic. And then if you're in a position of power, if you have access to government leaders, yeah. tell them the Iranian people want to be free. Mm -hmm. This isn't about hijab. This isn't a woman's movement. This is about regime change. Yeah, yeah. There, there will never be religious freedom in Iran under this totalitarian regime. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then pray, pray that, pray for mercy to just yeah. fall Iran, and that you know, the Iranian people will mm -hmm. be free. Are you active communicating with people in Iran through social media? Oh, yeah. And yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, my family too. Yeah, I'm sure you do that quite a bit. Um, it, it's, not, di not directly with my family because I'm I'm. I could put their life in danger, but it's sure. indirect. Yeah. Yeah, um, and that's probably not for us to do, huh? <laughs> I mean, we probably don't know enough to to be very helpful on social media. To you know what you could do. Yeah. Actually, what would be really cool is if you. Um, made a video of the two of you or anybody uh -huh. could do this. Okay. And, and just, I mean, I've seen so many cool videos of Americans and Europeans and just people from all over the world, you know, come out and do videos of themselves saying woman, life, freedom, or I am Mahsa Amini. Uh -huh. Just, just to show the Iranians and post it on your social media yeah. right. with the hashtag of Mahsa Amini. The hashtag of Mahsa Amini has been used over 200 million times. Can you wow. imagine the wow. power wow. of just one hashtag? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
Hey, this is not actually the end of our conversation with Erica. We continued the conversation, and we're going to put the last segment of our conversation with Erica in a bonus episode. Bonus episodes are for our Patreon viewers, listeners, people. Yeah, you know, we love right. you guys. That's right. Uh, so you want to be a, one of those folks? All you have to do is swipe your cover art, and there'll be a place there for you to support us on Patreon. Then you can hear this bonus episode and all the others that we've released. You'll get your own link to them, as a matter of fact. Yeah, that's right. It's really easy, actually. Yeah. So that's where we talk about stuff that, you know, we don't want the, the general world, the public, to know. It's That's right. That's it's right. the Hopper podcast behind the curtain. Oh, boy. So check it out. Thanks for listening to the Hopper Podcast. You made it to the end of this week's episode. Congratulations. You win a Baby Yoda surfboard. To claim your prize, write us to the Hopper Podcast at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 214-267-9287 and join us next time when we'll discuss if Cabbage Patch dolls were originally modeled after Vladimir Putin's face. The man looks like a Cabbage Patch doll is what I'm saying here, Willie. I never thought about that. Go look at a picture of Vladimir Putin and don't... Uh, oh, tell me you don't think it. of Cabbage oh, yeah. Patch. Absolutely. Cabbage Patch no, Kids. His face was modeled after Cabbage Patch Kids. Yeah. Whoever designed Vladimir Putin had a Cabbage Patch Kid in mind. Right? We'll Be discuss sure. it next time. We will. Be sure to like, subscribe, follow, and join the Facebook group for more Hopper goodness. The Hopper Podcast is sponsored this week by Reverse Osmosis Nose Hair Trimmers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we need those. You especially. <laughs>